Hello All Saints. Before we come to today's Bible reading, I wanted to tell you about this brilliant children's TV programme that I've just come across. It's on BBC iPlayer and it's about five minute, comes in five minute segments. It's got an incredibly catchy theme tune by Basement Jacks and it's called What's On Your Head? It's, uh, I can't recommend it highly enough. One of the people who features is a barrister called Alexandra who wears a wig on her head as she works. Within her segment, she says that on some occasions, uh, when she hasn't been wearing her wig, wig into court, uh, she's been mistaken as a defendant, as somebody on trial. And she said this is one reason why she really likes to wear her wig, because it shows to herself and to other people the significance of the job that she's about to do. Everybody uh, in these programmes is asked what it felt like to put their headgear on for the first time, and invariably the answer is it felt significant or important or even exciting. Now, we're about to read part of a letter, which is to say just one half of a conversation from 2,000 years ago and from a very different culture. So headgear of different kinds carry different connotations. In Roman culture, uh, for a man to teach with something on his head carried a kind of extra level of status. For example, the emperor would put something on his head uh, to speak and it conveyed to everybody around them just how important this person was. Uh, covering your head in public was also something that elite, richer, married women would do, whereas unmarried women or slaves or um, poorer or working women wouldn't have been expected to cover their heads. The Corinthian church, which we've been spending this time with, we know was a real mix of cultures, economic positions, religious backgrounds and perspectives. And they were working out, as every Christian church must, what it is to be the family of Jesus that the gospel of Jesus impels them to be. I sometimes find it intriguing or helpful to imagine what it would have been like to hear these words read uh, for the first time in this church in the position of, for example, um, an enslaved woman who has come to know Christ and has come to the home of a, of a richer fellow Christian in Corinth um, to, to gather on the Lord's Day, to break bread, uh, to hear from, uh, from teaching and to, and to share stories of Jesus together. What would it have been like to hear this teaching from Paul? Or alternatively, um, uh, an elite man in the Corinthian society, who perhaps the person who's opened his home uh, to the gathering on the Lord's Day because he also has come to know Christ. He's used uh, by his social status to having um, women and slaves at his command. And now he sits in a different relationship to them because of the teachings and the example of Christ. Another thing that's worth knowing before we hear this passage is that the word head has a different connotation in, uh, in the Greek language that Paul was writing in. It doesn't carry um, the connotation of authority that it can in our language, for example, in the word head teacher. It, instead, it just literally means head, like the head of your body, or it can mean source or origin, like the head or the source of a river. We'll put more links about all of this if you want to read some more in our email. Now let's read. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to remember that the, the head or the source of every man is Christ and the head or source of the woman is man. Paul's referring to the creation narrative here. And the head or source of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, remember like the emperor does, dishonours his head 
so we might imagine how these elite men who've been used to using this symbol to convey status might now be feeling. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonours her head. It's the same as having her head shaved. So how might it feel to somebody not socially empowered to wear this kind of high-status head covering to hear this? Imagine how it might feel for um, an enslaved woman not, not used to covering her head, not used to conveying um, a certain status because of what she's wearing on her head. Imagine how it might feel for her to bring a scarf onto her head as she stands up to pray or to prophesy in this gathering of the saints. And I wonder how it would change how she's seen in this new family, this new social setting of the church. As she prays or prophesies, I wonder if she might feel her voice carries a confidence that nothing of her Corinthian status or her economic status would give her. But here in the church, she's to wear a head covering as she prays. That is her standing before the Lord, and it's her standing before the Lord's people. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her head cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her head cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. And here let's think about what those words would feel like to this imaginary enslaved woman that we've talked about and the imaginary elite man that they've talked about, both hearing these words together. What does it say about how they're to be in relationship one another with one another as they come to worship? What does it say of their mutual recognition of each other's value? Woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head. She gets to choose for herself because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Now I've tried to engage our imagine, imaginations here rather than lecture about every word. The truth is there's so much that scholars can't get to grips to uh, with about this passage. But what I think we can take from today is this practice and exercise of imagination. We read as a community of believers across time and space, as well as across our differences uh, more locally. Even when we come across a passage of scripture that we find hard to understand or that might bring us to different conclusions, one practice that we can exercise is that of loving imagination. I wonder how it felt to hear this, we might ask ourselves. Or I wonder if it, how it feels to hear this. It might not resolve all our questions. It almost certainly won't resolve all our differences, but it strengthens our empathy and our love for one another when we exercise loving imagination. As we listen or read, one practice we might want to exercise is to take off our own heads and the sense of entitlement or right to speak that is gained from our position in society if we're in a position where our voice is expected to carry weight. And we might want to choose to put on our heads the sense of God's valuing of us if we're not in a position 
where we think when we don't think our voice has much if we're not in a position where our voice carries much weight this value that we put on is value not gained by us or our words or our accomplishment but given by god we are not independent of one another in the lord we need each other may our relationships be configured not according to society's expectations but according to our new status in Christ as children of the same Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are in a new family, a new community because of you, and we rejoice in this transforming truth. But in all honesty, sometimes we get pulled back to old ways of relating to one another. Please help us. Forgive us where we've abused positions of power or where we haven't spoken of your ways for fear of how we'll be received. Help us today. Help me today to walk in the light of your revelation that in Christ, though we are many, we are one body. Come fill your church by your spirit today. Let our faith not be based on human wisdom, but on the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.